It's time for the best and brightest moment of your week. It's time for that show you love and that show that you seek. It's time for nonsense. 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 The show. The best damn show you know. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is Wednesday, March the 1st. 3117, March 1st, 2017. This, as always, is Nonsense the Show. Whoa, lots of things are occurring. Okay, Nonsense the Show, professional production going on over here. We know exactly what we're doing at all times. This is episode number 23 of Nonsense the Show. And uh, as you guys who are regulars, you guys who watch and tune in and and support the show so diligently know, um, typically I do this on a Tuesday. Typically Tuesday at 6 p.m. is nonsense hour. And uh, the last two weeks I haven't done it. The first week because uh, I just wasn't feeling good. It's been a rough week. And uh, yesterday I couldn't do it because I had uh, had other plans related to uh, remembering a long lost friend. so I was sitting here uh, this morning, and I was kind of, I was kind of thinking, man, I really, I gotta get, I gotta get a show up. I gotta do something. And I realized, oh, well, this is episode number twenty-three, nonsense twenty-three. And if this is gonna be nonsense twenty-three, well, the first person that comes to my mind when I think of the number twenty-three is, of course, his heiress himself, the great one, Mr. Michael Jordan. So uh, I decided I'm gonna do a little, just a little blurb about, about, about his airness about about MJ. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of information. I'm going to tell you a couple of little stories about him that I found humorous and enjoyable. Um, one of the things I intended to do was do a little bit more detail, give you guys some interesting facts and stories about the making of Space Jam, but I didn't. So we're not going to talk about Space Jam too much. <laughs> but we're going to talk about Michael Jordan. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of talking about... We're going to do a little bit of talking about some books I'm reading. What's going on in my world right now? We're going to do a little bit of talking about uh, t- t- about some tips on how to be happier in your home. Some things, easy, easy things you can do that'll make you feel a little better, make you feel a little happier, make you feel a little bit more content, and just a little bit more positive about your daily life. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Aiming for a half hour's worth of show today. Uh, set the bar low. Try to exceed it. Good plan. Okay, what's going on? What's new? Um... Let's see, let's see. So I have uh, officially begun my paid teaching work. I did my first class this last week, um, and uh, it was an interesting one. It was it was one that... So the, the classes I've been doing primarily, and one of the... Um, so the, the, the course that I spend most of my time working at is called Crisis Intervention, uh, Crisis Intervention Team. And it's, it's teaching uh, first responders, chaplains, uh, folks like that, the skills to deal with folks that are in crisis, the folks dealing with mental health emergencies, uh, the folks that are just struggling and, and their mental health is, is affecting their interaction with, with, with cops or whatever. And so the idea is here, these are people that have a little bit extra mental health training, extra training in de-escalation, and, and a little bit extra knowledge that makes it much safer to, to interact and to, and to uh, resolve these situations easily. So I teach at this course, and it's, it's an interesting one because I have been, uh, you know, maybe every other class, uh, there's somebody in there that I recognize. There's somebody in there that I know. Um, and obviously when you're talking about mental illness and you're talking about suicide and you're talking about all of these things, it's, it's sometimes tough to do in front of people you know. Um, it's much easier in this 
in this uh, uh, in this uh, way, you know, via via podcast, via the internet, uh, because I don't have to stare any of you guys in the face. Right now, I've got my little phone set up on a tripod directly in front of me, and I'm staring at myself in the camera. And so it's it's a lot easier than having to stare some people in the face and tell them about suicide plans, having to tell them about the mental health issues or whatever. But it's very important, uh, both for me and for them, that I that I'm able to do that. So. I got to go in and do this course, and uh, I, I had I had the pleasure of right in the front row was one of my favorite people uh, from the academy. I hadn't spoken to her in many years. Uh, we just lost touch after I left, and and uh, and all that. Um, but it was it was so she had no idea really what had been going on with me. She's not on Facebook. She's not she's not really big on the social media side. So she she hasn't seen. Uh, the story. She hasn't seen the effect. She hasn't seen the this thing as it's unfolded with me. So it was it was kind of a, a, an information dump for her to hear me tell my story, hear me kind of convey some of the emotion and, and the agitation and all that. Um, and it was it was one of the harder talks I've done, uh, partially because of that, just because it was unexpected and it's someone that I'm very uh, was very close with and and would like to be close with again. Um, and then I had somebody else in the course who who is it was the first time. Uh, trying to figure out how to articulate this without going into too much of the really hard stuff because I don't want that to be this kind of show. There, there's a point in my talk where I talk about uh, something very difficult that I was planning, uh, something horrible, and thankfully it never came to fruition, and so now I try to use it as a teaching tool to help other people you know, avoid getting to that place. And uh, the, the, the situation involved other people, and for the first time I told that story in front of somebody that knew other people in the story. And so it, it was very difficult, and it was, uh, was nerve-wracking. You know, and it was this kind of feeling of like, oh, shit. So it was, but it was good. It was a good challenge and the talk went well and, and uh, my timing was good, um, which is always a challenge. You know, if you're given an hour to speak, uh, especially in a, an educational setting, you want to fill that hour as best you can. Uh, you want to make sure that your students and, and the people that are hiring you are getting their money's worth out of you. And so depending on the interactions of the course, depending on how my brain is working that day, sometimes it's a challenge. Um, and, and this was one that just worked out really well. So I was pretty happy with it. Um, so we did that, um, and and this was the first one that I'm actually going to get paid for. Uh, I was able to sign and re and and uh, submit my contract, and uh, so we're just waiting for that to get uh, just just get put into the system and and ready to roll. But um, I'm able to start uh, invoicing now and and uh, have my you know my market rate set, which is wonderful. It's a it's a good place to be, and and the number is one that makes me happy. Uh, so now the trick is just finding more people that want to pay it. Uh, looks like I've got uh, some more work coming up. There's a course that I tried to get into most of my career, uh, interviews and, interview and interrogation, and it looks like I'll have an opportunity to go teach at that course now. Uh, you know, with my perspective and some of my unique, uh, unique knowledge. Hopefully, give those uh, those investigators and and uh, those detectives and things like that uh, just a little bit, a little bit extra, uh, a little bit extra something to 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 make their jobs a little easier. You know, got some alerts coming off my computer here. This is ridiculous. What's going on? Close that, close that, close that. All right, like I said, professional, professional, professional. That's what we're all about here on Nonsense This Show. Shout out and ahoy to Mr. Matthew Redbeard Gibson. How you doing, brother? Hope you're feeling better. I saw you've been, uh, you, you got hit with that flu that's going around that so many people are suffering from. Um, all right, so what's been going on? What have I been doing? One of the things I've been doing a lot of is I've been doing a lot more reading. Um, I, I uh, finally put up some little bookshelves, and so I was able to pull my books out of their boxes and find them a new home out in public where they're displayed in the open. And it's nice because I'm seeing them again, and I'm realizing, man, there's a couple of books in here that I have never read. Um, so I'm starting to just check those off my list, starting to starting to go ahead and chew through them and, and get what I can out of them. 
Um, I just finished uh, a book by uh, the master himself, Mr. Stephen King, called On Writing. He wrote it uh, in, in the late 1990s. And uh, essentially, it's, it's a little bit of an autobiography paired with um, a really good in-depth look at at the, the process of writing and the craft of writing as he sees it and as he as he operates it and and how it works for him um, so it's, it's a really fascinating book even if you're not a writer but if you're just interested in writing if you if you've always looked at look, looked at, at, at fiction or, or, or you know at books and gone wow how does somebody put all this together how do, where does this come from it's, it's a wonderful look into the mind of a writer and, and especially the mind of one of the great writers so um, I highly recommend it on writing. It's an easy read. It's not going to challenge you too much, but it, it is. Uh, it, it sounds like he's just having a conversation with you, um, which is my favorite kind of, of, of writing. You know, my favorite kind of conveyance of information is when I feel like I'm just speaking to somebody, just having a talk. Um, for some reason, for me, it seems much easier to, to take that in and to work with it that way. Um, in the meantime, uh, so I'm picking up, uh, and, I, and I was talking to my mom this morning, and I realized that I've taken on some traits of my grandfather, uh, my, my dad's dad. Uh, Harvey, Harvey Lynn Potorf, rest in peace, Grandpa. Um, grandpa was a guy that you you know he he looked like a cross between Elmer Fudd and Mister Magoo, and so you go to uh, you go to his house, and if you look at his coffee table, it was at any given time it was covered in this uh, in this just just storm of books and magazines and papers and things that he was reading, and they're all in various different states, and he's got bookmarks everywhere and. Um, and I remember as a kid thinking that was the most fascinating thing. This is a guy that spends most of his days just soaking up information, just learning stuff. And it was World War II, and it was books on airplanes, and books on tanks, and books on old cars, and books on this, and books on that. Uh, you know, adventure books, and autobiographies, and political books. And um, So he, he, was, uh, he was a guy that, that, that was just constantly trying to, to, to enrich himself, and trying to learn, and just trying to find something interesting to delve himself into. Um, he could make anything. He could fix anything. And I wish I had had taken advantage of his knowledge when when I had the opportunity. But I realized more and more that I'm taking after him because I walked into my bedroom yesterday and I said, "Well, there's two books on top of my nightstand that I'm that I'm you know that I'm I'm partially through, and then there's two books under you know inside the nightstand that I'm partially through, and there's one on the other side, and here's two on the on the thing over here, and then there's you know. Um, so I have at, at at the moment I have probably four different books I'm working through. Um, a couple of them are fiction, just enjoyable, uh, enjoyable reads. We'll talk about those uh, once I'm done with them, and uh, and then uh, I got a couple of reference books and a couple of kind of uh, self improvement books that I'm working through. One of the more interesting pieces uh, that I'm that I'm going through is this giant hardcover coffee table book um, about a group of misfits and malcontents and weirdos and and kind of counter counter culture nut jobs. Uh, called the San Francisco Cacophony Society. Um, a really fascinating group of, uh, of pranksters and, and, and whack jobs. Um, I really recommend you check it out. I'm, I'm only partially through it, so I can't give you the, the full rundown yet. But what I am going to give you is just a couple of little highlights of some things that I have found um, that cracked me up, that interested me, you know? So uh, the Cacophony Society, right? It's this group of people who... Uh, you know, they kind of looked around them and they said, man, the world's kind of a boring place. And there's a lot of people that uh, they want you to act a certain way and they want you to be a certain way and they want you to do certain things. And, and there's a lot of conformity going on and a lot of this condemnation for things that just make people feel good. And we're not hurting anybody. So what they decided to do was they decided to create a club. And, uh, and, and their, their um, well, their, their motto, their, their club tagline was, uh, well, you may already be a member.
And basically, their whole their whole motto was was fun for fun's sake. Let's get out there and let's let's shake things up. Let's uh, um, you know let's 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 freak out the squares kind of thing. Um, and and a lot of it came down to 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 just getting people playing again. They wanted people to play. So they want people playing out in the world as adults. I'm an adult. I'm going to go out in the world. I'm going to play like a child, right? Um, and that was kind of their whole um, their whole thing was that they 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 based a lot of their projects and a lot of their schemes and a lot of their plans in in this 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 kind of idea that we want to be unorthodox and we want to um, we want to directly engage people. We want to get out of there. And and so what these guys were is these guys are the predecessors for um, culture jamming, reality hacking, flash mobs. Um, all of these kind of improv things, you know, out in the real world where you're just flying by the seat of your pants and, and trying to interact with people. Um, that's what these guys were doing. And it's, 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 it's some pretty cool stuff. I mean, some of the silly things that they would set up. And they had these newsletters, um, the Rough Draft newsletter is what it's called. And people would post um, things for events. Hey, I've got this idea for an event. And you don't have to approve it with anybody because there's no, there's no approval process. It's an event and it's got some merit to you. So you're going to host it. And if nobody shows up, that's okay. You're going to go do it for yourself. And you're just letting everybody else know this is what I'm doing and I'd like you to join me. And if you feel like it, this is where we'll be and this is what you need. And one of the things that, that really just kind of kind of made me laugh and something that I, th I thought is kind of fun is they had, uh, they had what's called the non-event. Um, it was an all-day event. Dress like you always do. Do what you normally do. And the object of the event was to see if you could pick out the other participants. Uh, this was a really a big event last year. Let's see if we can do it again. Can you imagine these people going out and trying to dress like normal, regular people? They're going out and just doing their normal thing. And they've got this silly idea in their head of, of well, who else is playing? Now, you're not actually confronting people. You're not actually talking to people while you're doing this. What you're doing is, is you're just putting this little seed of nonsense into your head, this little seed of silliness. Um, there's no point to this. There's no, there's no goal. There's no objective. There's no, uh, there's no requirements. It's just do what you normally do and then walk around. And the idea is to get you, get you looking at the people around you. And looking around and, and wondering, okay, well, if is what they're showing me the real them? What else are these people doing? I mean, how many, you know, look at Fight Club, right? How many of those guys in a movie are wearing boring suits all day working in cubicles and at night they go and they start, they start throwing bare knuckle uh, punches at each other? Interesting. So um, things like this, right? Uh, uh, they had a Flag Day event. The Betsy Ross Sewing Circle. Everybody dressed up in, in period costumes and got together out in public to sew a new national flag. Why? Why not? It's silly. It's funny. It gets people thinking. It gets people wondering. It gets people going, what? What are you talking? What? They, do, they, uh, they did what's called zone trips. Uh, calls to venture to a distant and unknown location for an undisclosed purpose. Show up at this date and this time. Bring this. We're going to take you somewhere. Be gone for X number of days. A lot of times it would be drug trips. They'd go out into the, out into the desert and they'd do psychedelics, right? Zone trips um, were, for those of you that are burners... Zone trips are how Burning Man was started. The Cacophony Society were the group of people that founded Burning Man. They went out to the desert. They did a bunch of drugs. They had these, these, these magnificent psychedelic experiences, right? And they started bringing more people in and more people in and eventually became the giant commercial you know, crazy th craziness it is today. And as far as I understand it, there are still some Cacophony Society members involved with the organizing and the planning of, of the event. Um, Civic Duty Day. Participate in civic discourse. Participate in civic events, town hall meetings, uh, voting, things like that. Uh, participate in your city government wearing a silly costume or all saying a silly phrase. It's just silly stuff. Uh, one, of, one of the common things you would see in these, uh, in these, different, uh, in these different listings for events is, is the, the, the two words, no spectators. 
no spectators. If you're going to show up, we want you to participate in whatever way works for you, but we want you to participate. You're supposed to get out of your comfort zone. You're supposed to be breaking the mold and doing something just a little bit different, right? Um, they had some patron saints of the Cacophony Society, and one of the one of the reasons I knew that these were my kind of people is that their first patron saint was a guy by the name of Mr. Emperor Norton. Uh, if you don't know who Emperor Norton is, we've talked about him on the shows a couple of times. Look him up. We'll be doing a uh, we'll be doing an episode on him eventually. But he was San Francisco's best known eccentric. Yes, Toby. At this point, uh, looks like our show sponsor would like us to go ahead and shout him out for a minute. So I'd like to pause. I'd like to take a moment, and I would like to go ahead and let you. Mm, forgive me. Hang on. Something I'd like to do here. If we're gonna do this, we might as well do it right. Okay, let's see here. Play it, please. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're sick of politics as we know it, if you're sick of the typical stripe of politician in your neighborhood, if you're sick of looking at the news and seeing these disgusting, dirty, slimy, snake-like people, I have some news for you. Nonsense the Show, as always, is brought to you by the campaign to elect Toby the Wonderman to the governorship of the great state of California. There's only one thing you need to know about Toby. There's only one piece of information you need to make sure you've got an informed vote uh, on election day. All you need to know about Mr. Toby the Wondermutt is this. He's the good boy. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. So, <laughs> so the Cacophony Society, right? Um, uh, they, they wanted to embrace the potent power of play. And if that's not some alliteration you can get behind, I don't know what is. Powerfully potent power of play. Um, one of, the, uh, one of the, the small kind of offshoot groups that came out of the, the Cacophony Society... Um, and, and I think they were kind of around a little bit beforehand and they, they became something through this, is, is the original urban exploration group. Um, fascinating stuff where, where these abandoned, vacant, terrible buildings um, or, or abandoned structures, they go through and they explore them. They take pictures. They see what's left. They document it. And it's, and it's this kind of exciting thing. And I did it on a very low, low, low key when I was a child, um, child teenager. But uh, these guys were the founders of it. They were called the Suicide Club, living each day as though it were their last, for indeed it may be. Fascinating people. Just an interesting way to live, right? Um, so again, I mean, a lot of this is just stuff that I've, I've been reading through, and I, I just took a couple notes that I thought were kind of cool. Um, they used to do what they would call the Golden Gate Bridge dinners. Formal dinners on the north tower of the bridge, uh, up on the balcony walkway. Um, <clears throat> they would bring fine food. They would they would dine there in their fancy clothes. They would have dancing with uh, with fancy music, and occasionally a saber fight or two. Uh, you know, a couple of fancy weirdos drunk on 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 expensive wine on the walkway of the Golden Gate Bridge, fighting with swords. Come on, can you imagine that happening right now? Can you imagine post 9-11 a bunch of yahoos setting up a dinner party on the Golden Gate Bridge and not getting run out of there by Homeland Security? I can't. Sure would be cool though. If anybody can make that happen, I would very much like to eat dinner on the Golden Gate Bridge at a formal dining table. I'd wear a tuxedo for that. I'd put on tux with tails, the whole thing. Point break status. Uh, obviously, the, the Suicide Club we just talked about, the first formal urban exploration group, infiltrated weird and potentially ominous organizations. So this was another part of the Suicide Club's motto and, and kind of drive, was they would go through and they would find groups like the, uh, the Unification Church, the American Nazis, and, and, and you know, groups like uh, you know, today's Westboro Baptist Church. They would infiltrate these groups, find out what they're up to, and try to kind of disrupt their, their, their schemes with silliness. 
elaborate street pranks, blah, 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 blah. Their mantra was leave no trace, which is something I think we can all get behind. Go out there, do your thing, split, and make sure nobody else, uh, um, nobody else can, uh, can, can fucking ruin it for you. So there you go. I mean, there's just a brief rundown of the suicide or the cacophony society and the suicide club and the shenanigans they get up to. I will absolutely be giving you guys um, some more, some more stuff on them as I read through the book. There's, I'm only just scratching the surface of it and getting kind of the broad strokes. So as I get in deeper, get my research done, I'll give you guys some more. Okay. Everybody feeling good? Questions, comments, concerns? Small audience tonight. Only three of you. That's cool. Got three good people. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. All right, coming up next, let's talk about the great one. You want to talk about Mr. Michael Jordan? All right, let me run off some numbers for you, just so just so we can establish exactly how great Mr. Michael Jordan is. Let me just take my spotlight here and point it downward so I can read this properly. Michael Jeffrey Jordan, born February 17th, 1963. Just had his birthday. Happy birthday. He's uh, considered one of the greatest shooting guards, of, well, the greatest shooting guard of all time, not to mention the greatest basketball player of all time. Played for 15 seasons, 50-time cover of Sports Illustrated, 9-time All-Star defense, first team, 14-time All-Star, 3-time All-Star MVP, MVP, 10 scoring titles, 3 stealing titles, uh, blah, 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 5-time NBA MVP, uh, regular season MVP, 10-time All-NBA first team, 6-time Finals MVP, MVP and a 2-time NBA Hall of Famer. Not to mention, he was voted by CNN as the second greatest athlete of the 20th century, second only to Mr. Babe Ruth. Pretty freaking cool. Obviously, you know him as one of the uh, one of the, the greatest spokespeople in the history of anything. Uh, Nike wouldn't be nearly what they are without him today. Nor would Hanes, nor would Coca-Cola, nor would the Looney Tunes, nor would you know any number of other uh, other things here, right? Um, some of you guys who were born in the '90s may remember a little movie called Space Jam, right? He starred in Space Jam opposite, um, uh, you know, our childhood hero, Mr. Bugs Bunny. He's the first NBA player to have ever reached billionaire status, the second richest African-American person in the world, second only to Miss Oprah Harpo Winfrey. And he had a contract, a clause in his contract, rather, which was unheard of at the time. This is how much Michael Jordan loved the game of basketball. He insisted that they put a clause into his contract called the love of the game clause, right? And what this was was a clause saying that he could play basketball anytime, anywhere against anybody he wanted without any interference. Um, he loved basketball. He just wanted to freaking play. Um, and, and if there's one thing that I, I love hearing about, uh, about Michael Jordan, um, I love hearing uh, the stories about him being a dick. Michael Jordan was without, is without question, a major dick. He doesn't tip. He's rude to people. He uh, he likes to bully people. It's just his thing, and I think it's it's part of um, part of being the best. Part of being the greatest is is sometimes this this arrogance comes with it, and this attitude of I'm above you because you you are above them in in some ways, and and so many people treat you that way that you know it's the way it goes. So Michael Jordan's a dick, um, and one of my favorite stories that I read as I was doing this research is one I heard before. Is, uh, is is how he ruined Muggsy Bogues' career. Um, so they're playing uh, playing against each other. There's a big possession. The game's close. It's getting close to the end. Muggsy Bogues has the ball. The team is down by one. J uh, Michael Jordan is guarding him. He steps up. They're 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 squared off. They're ready to go. Bugs Bogues has the ball, and Michael Jordan steps back, opens his arm, and says, "Shoot it, you fucking midget." Bogues takes the shot, 
and misses it by a mile. About a year later, he came back and he said, that play, that moment, that exact sentence ruined my career. He said it ruined his shot, broke his mind, and he was just never the same after that. True or not? I don't know, but it's a good freaking story. It is a good freaking story. Michael Jordan is known as a as a, a, a an unrepentant gambler. I mean, there there are uh, these rumors going around since you know since the early '90s that due to his gambling debts, his father was killed. The reason he went to play baseball was was to kind of serve a real low key suspension from the NBA uh, to to kind of clear out some of the gambling uh, stuff that he was having. Um, so lots of this, right? Um, Michael Jordan wants to win, so he's, he's going to gamble, right? And, and gambling and winning don't usually go hand in hand. So he used to bet with his teammates. They'd get to the airport and they'd take a bet to see whose luggage would come out, uh, come out of baggage first, right? Now, what his teammates didn't know is that Michael Jordan had gone and talked to the airport workers beforehand and arranged to make sure that his bags came out first. So he had rigged the game already. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. One of the things Michael used to do with players is he used to uh, he used to go out of his way to call his shot, right? He was so good that he would tell players exactly what he was going to do. People defending him, he'd go, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm coming down. I'm going to dribble it between my legs twice. I'm going to pump fake, and then I'm going to take a shot, and then I'm going to look right at you. And that's exactly what he did. All right, I'm going to drive to the baseline. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to juke to the inside. I'm going to do a fadeaway jumper, and I'm going to nail it. Sure enough, that's exactly what he did. And all these guys, the common thing that they kept saying, they go, I knew what he was going to do. I knew it. He told me what he was going to do, and then he did exactly what he told me he was going to do, and I guarded him exactly based on what he said he was going to do, and he still outplayed me. He still got that shot off. He's just that freaking good. You know you're somebody special. You know you've achieved a level of greatness in your life when you, are, uh, when you can trash talk the president without any, uh, without any repercussions. There's a story about the day that Michael Jordan and Bill uh, Bill Clinton were out playing golf, right? Out there hitting uh, hitting the balls, right? And Bill goes to tee off uh, from the front tees, from the ladies' tees, right? And uh, and here's Michael Jordan in the back, and he looks at the president. He says, "You gonna play from the little girl tees?" And so the president picks his ball up and moves back to the pro level. You're telling me that Michael Jordan is gonna trash talk a president and get him to change his ways? All right. I mean, I wouldn't. Maybe I would. I don't think I'm good enough to, but I'd like to. Um, going back to Mr. Jordan wanting to win, right? It wasn't just in big game scenarios. It's not just the NBA Finals. It's not just playing golf against the president. Michael Jordan wanted to win in everything he did. Michael Jordan is a winner. He wants to win. Argument with his wife has to win. Walking down the street, someone challenges him, have to win, right? So there's a story from uh, his old University of North Carolina coach, Mr. Buzz Peterson. Talks about the time Jordan came to his house. Sits down at the table, starts playing, uh, starts playing cards with, with, with Coach Peterson's mom. At some point, little old lady Peterson goes off to go to the bathroom. She's going to go take a little old lady tinkle, right? Oh, excuse me. I'll be right back, boys. And she hobbles out the room. And Coach Peterson takes a peek and he watches Mr. Jordan cheating. Checking out the cards. Making, making some little adjustments to the deck. Michael Jordan cheated in a game of cards against a little old lady. I mean, okay, I guess you got to have that drive, right? Michael Jordan is so competitive. He is so competitive that even Bejeweled cannot escape him. Mr. Jordan found Bejeweled on his iPad, and he became so obsessed with it that he, in no time at all, he passed level 100, and he is now known as a Bejeweled demigod. 
And I can just imagine him him wearing that around, putting it on a t-shirt or something, wearing around his house, being like, check it out, honey, I'm a bejeweled demigod. <laughs> something about that. Something about that. He was so confident in his abilities, right? He was so sure of himself that he would just trash talk people and destroy them. There are stories upon stories upon stories of Michael Jordan taking rookies under his under his wing or, uh, or, or getting faced off against somebody even in practice and just destroying them with his trash talk and with his game, right? Um, Jerry Stackhouse was playing against him in, in his rookie year. They square up. Jordan's dribbling down the court with the ball. He looks at Stackhouse and he says, which side? And Stackhouse knows what's going on. He can see this. He knows Jordan's game. He says, I'm not going to let him get in my head. Mm -mm, no, sir, not me. So what he did is he didn't respond. He said, nope, I'm not going to respond. So Jordan looks at him again. He says, which side? Which side? And he goes, come on, man. I'm not going to do that. Just play ball, man. Just play ball. Jordan says, man, I'm not asking you which side you want me to go on because you know I'm going to pass you one way or the other. What I'm asking is which side of the poster you want to be on so that when I shoot, I know which side to put you on. Whoa. Mr. Hexa Carter checking in. A winner without integrity is like an empty glass. I agree, man. If you're not a, if you're not going to have some integrity, if you're not going to win with uh, with some class, does it really count? A uh, story that I thought was really cool was, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> the day before the Bulls and the Phoenix Suns squared off in game four of the NBA Finals. Uh, the Bulls were up two to one, and Michael Jordan and Mr. Charles uh, Sir Charles Barkley go out for a game of golf, right? They go to play 48 holes of golf. And uh, near the end of the round, Jordan gives uh, gives Barkley a gift. Gives him a $20,000 earring. Here you go. Just a little gift from me to you. One of his teammates goes, Jordan, what the hell, man? Why would you do that? It's your opponent. You're going to give him a $20,000 earring? What are you doing, man? And Jordan responds. He goes, he's not going to get in my way the rest of the series. He goes, what's $20,000 to me? Charles thinks we're great friends, and I hate that fat fuck. Language, sorry. Shoot. Working on it. Sip of water for Carson on the air. Now imagine that. You're playing against the greatest of all time, playing some golf, and you're great yourself. At the end of it, he gives you this crazy expensive gift. And now you've got to go up against him for several more games. And, and the, the, the stuff I kept reading said in the rest of that series, Barkley never freaking touched him. <laughs> so apparently it was effective. Mind games. Mind games. Rumor has it the famous game where Michael Jordan uh, ended up playing with the flu, putting up a great performance. Rumor has it it was not the flu at all. According to his ex-teammates, um, he was actually poisoned. I guess they were out late last that night. They were in Park City, Utah, getting ready to play. And uh, at the time, there weren't a whole lot of food options. So the hotel stopped serving food at, uh, at 9 o'clock. The guys were hungry late. They wanted some pizza, ordered up pizza, and five dudes showed up to bring them pizza. They knew which hotel they were in. They knew which room they were staying in. They knew exactly who they were delivering to. Apparently, Michael Jordan was the only man that ate that pizza. And by 2 a.m., he was on the floor in a fetal position, crying and hurting. So rumor has it, the great one was poisoned by some pizza dudes. That's all I got for you. There's some Michael Jordan info for you. Just a little, a little info dump, right? Let you know what's going on. All right, here's something I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give to you guys before we close out the show today, all right? If you got questions, if you got something you want to hear, throw them in the comments, and, uh, and I'll get to them before, uh, before we close out. In the meantime, I'm going to give you, uh, what do I got here? I got 10 tips. 10 tips to make you happier in your home. These are tips that will make your daily life better, make your daily life easier, make your daily life more pleasant, and make everything you do just a little bit more manageable, right? The number one tip and something that I cannot, uh, cannot encourage enough is to make your bed. Uh, first thing you do when you get out of the, out of bed is make it right. Your alarm goes off. Get out of bed. Make the bed. 
what that's going to do is that's going to immediately start your day off being productive. It feels good. It's a small psychological trick, right? So now you're productive. Your bed looks good. Not to mention at the end of the day when you come and climb back into it, it's nice to get back into a made bed. There's just something about that that's very uh, comforting, right? According to the book The Happiness Project, uh, this three-minute task is one of the simplest habits you can adopt to positively impact your happiness. I'm telling you, start doing it tomorrow. Do it for a week and tell me you don't feel more happy, more motivated, and ready to go. Uh, Michael Johnson, I did actually talk about basketball. I talked about Michael Jordan for like 15 minutes. I mean, not that long. Maybe like 12 minutes, but I did a pretty good job. You would have been impressed. Um, one of the things that I'm, I'm a big fan of, and this is this is something my mom was, was a big proponent of, and I didn't understand it uh, as I was a kid until I, uh, until I grew up and got a little older, but it's, it's bring every room back to ready. Give every room a ready state. Everything's in its place. It's clean. This is how it should be. And if every time you leave that room, you put it back to ready, right? You fold the blankets up. You put the pillows back on the couch the right way. You make sure everything's kind of organized on the side table. Take a couple of seconds, right? And every time you walk into that room again, it's clean, it's ready, and it looks like somebody has just prepared it for you. Um, and it, it takes no time at all, especially once you get in the habit of it. It just becomes second nature. You don't even think about it. I learned this trick from Marilyn Paul's Clever book. It's hard to make a difference when you can't find your keys. Uh, clutter causes stress. Order creates a haven from it, right? Less clutter uh, means a, a calmer mind. <clears throat> this mind-boosting routine is simple. Take about three minutes to bring each room back to ready before, excuse me, before you depart it. Unless you have a child or, you know, like a hurricane of a, of a, of a, a partner in your life. Uh, this going to be a lot harder to do. It might take you a little bit longer. But the idea is if you do it regularly and you keep up with it, it's going to be really easy when you need to do a real clean because everything's already in its place and all, the, all the, the hard stuff's done. Display sentimental items around your home. <coughs> One reason that experiences and memories of those experiences make us happier uh, than material things is due to the entire cycle of enjoyment that experiences provide. Planning, looking forward to it, enjoying it, and then remembering it. Make your home a gallery of positive memories. Anybody that comes into my home, anybody that comes into my space, they'll notice that immediately. I have, um, to a lot of people, it's just junk. It's just stuff. It's just crap, right? But all of the things that I display in my home have a purpose because uh, most of them give me a memory. They, they attach right back to a memory. And so I find that even when I'm really in a bad state of mind, even when I'm really struggling, those physical objects act as, as kind of a, a, a bridge for me where I can, I can grab that thing, I can look at it, I can examine it, um, and, and it takes me right back to where I need to be. It takes me right uh, right where I want to go. Um, and it helps me pull that memory up. It helps me pull details of that memory up. And it's just something that's really, uh, really comforting. It's really good for me. So um, I, I really recommend, and, and it doesn't have to be a lot of things. Pick one or two things that matter to you, whether it's a picture or a memento or a trophy or something that makes you feel good, takes you back to a happy time, and keep that nearby. Start a one-line-a-day gratitude journal, right? Counting your blessings. Any of my, any of the people that I've worked with counseling, anybody that I've talked to in a, in a crisis scenario, they'll, they'll tell you one of the things that I, I really harp on is, is count your blessings every single day. Whatever you think your blessings are, count them. Because if you're grateful for it, it's a blessing. So what I tell people to do oftentimes um, is wake up in the morning and, 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 you know, before you even move, lay in bed and start thinking, okay, what am I grateful for? What are my blessings today? Oh, I've got this person and that person, and I've got the top, you know, Toby the dog, and I got the car, and I got a nice house, blah blah blah. And you could, I mean, you really could list endless things. Even on your worst days, there are endless blessings you still have. Um, you know, I still have Netflix. I still get to, you know, I can go down the road and I can get a good taco plate for about four dollars. You know, um, all this kind of stuff. So count your blessings. It's good for you. 
helps you gratitude, right? Being mindful of your blessings is going to help you recognize more of them. It's going to help you show more gratitude to those around you, which is going to bring more goodness to you. The more grateful you are for your blessings, the more blessings you are going to get. Hello, Mr. Coop Cooper. Michael Coop Cooper. Love you, brother. Hope you're doing well. Uh, love seeing your robot pictures on Saturdays. Keep those up, huh? Um, if you can't get out of it, get into it. All right. If something's going to get stuck on your head, if you're just grinding on something and you just think, the house is dirty, the dishes are dirty, the car, the car is filthy, oh, I got this to deal with, I got this thing looming over me, get into it as soon as you can. If it's going to sit on your mind and you can't shake it and it's just going to eat away at you, eat away at you, eat away at you, handle it. As soon as you're able, get into it and get it done and just get through it, right? It's off your mind now and you feel so good because you just conquered something, you beat it, right? Um, one of the one of the little things, and a lot of times for me, the things that do that are little things, uh, things that could be considered two minute jobs, um, and that's where I go back to my two minute rule, which is if if, if something's going to take me less than two minutes to do, I try to do it immediately, just get it done, um, and I really should expand it to like ten minutes because ten minutes is an easy amount of time to waste. I do it all the time, um, <laughs> so um, just dig in and 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 get after it, right? And one of the things that uh, that that this recommends uh, from again from the Happiness Project is is to um, really get into it, right? So let's take for instance one of the things that I really enjoy doing is uh, I like doing the dishes, right? Especially in the evening, especially when it's when it's dark and it's kind of quiet. I can turn on the kitchen light, a little bit of music maybe, or sometimes just the silence. And I like that that warm soapy water flowing, right? The soap smells good. Scrubbing the dishes, putting this big pile of clean dishes up next to the sink, right? Or loading up the dishwasher, whatever it might be. Um, I enjoy doing the dishes because I found it's therapeutic for me. I found things to enjoy about it. Usually at, at uh, when I was doing a lot of family holidays, I don't do them very much anymore for many reasons, but when I was going to family holidays, usually by the time dessert rolled around, I was tired of being around people. Um, I didn't I didn't want to interact anymore. I didn't want to be social anymore. I was just tired. Everybody's getting drunk, so they're, you know, things are getting heated. But mm -mm. So what I would do is I would clear the table. And I would, I would just do it quietly. I'd do it by myself. I would refuse help if I could. You know, I'd usually get a bunch because nice people around me. Um, and I would try to get into the kitchen, and I would try to just spend some 20 minutes quiet time cleaning all the dishes, doing it all by my lonesome. You know what I mean? And I found that I loved it. It was great. It was relaxing. Everybody's in the other room. They're all doing their thing. They're all having a good time, and I got my little bit of kind of, kind of step out. So... Uh, whatever your chore is, if it's sitting on the sitting on your mind and you can't get it off, find a way to get into it. Find a way to really, really, really do it. Uh, in the art of happiness, the Dalai Lama says every day, think as you wake up. Today, I am fortunate to be alive. I have a precious human life. I am not going to waste it. Wake up in the morning and set an intent for your day. Give yourself positive affirmation and decide what your day is going to be. Today is going to be a good day. Here's how I'm going to do it. I feel like crap today. Here's how I'm going to fight it. Right? Uh, attend, da, 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 da. Setting daily intent makes a huge difference. Your daily intent can be something like be productive, enjoy today's delicious moments, or it could be something more specific, say thank you to my loved ones today. It should not be another to-do item on your list. Your daily intent should not be, da, 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 you know, it should be a, a general theme for your day. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm intending to make my day like. I want to be more grateful. I want to be more appreciative as well. Do small favors for people around you, expecting nothing in return. If you go into, into doing something for somebody with the expectation of getting something in return, you're doing it wrong from the get-go. You should begin uh, service to somebody else with the attitude of, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do everything I can not to get recognized for it. It's as simple as that. You're doing it for the sake of doing it. You're doing it because it's going to make somebody else happy. And you're doing it because it's going to make somebody else feel good, right? 
Recognition has nothing to do with it. And when you do it for people that are very close to you, especially unexpected things, you know, make sure they've got their coffee in the morning, you know, when they wake up. Uh, surprise them with, uh, with dinner. Uh, put away the laundry for your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, right? Little things. If there's a chore you know they hate, go get it done for them when they're at work. That way they come home and it's done, they don't have to worry about it. Little things. And what you find is those little, those little sacrifices, those little bits of, of generosity towards the people around you, they come back to you tenfold. I mean, it is, it is, it is mind-boggling how quickly those things come back to you in a positive way. Um, you know, whether it be love, whether it be deeper relationships, whether it be increased trust or increased reliability, uh, you know, reliance on each other. Um, it, it just, it makes the relationship stronger. It makes you happier. It makes you feel better about the relationship because you are absolutely contributing and you never have to wonder if you are. Um, so something to look at. Do something nice for people around you without thinking about getting anything in return. Every day, reach out, call somebody, talk to a friend, talk to a family member. While you're cleaning, while you're driving to work, while you're making the bed, while you're walking the dog. Uh, we're not talking texts and emails. We're talking make a phone call. And this is something I don't like to do. Um, but every day, I do, I do have a phone call that happens every single day. At 9.45 or thereabouts, uh, I talk to my mom. She calls me on her way to work. She calls me on her way to church. She calls me wherever she's going to be. And we get a nice, little, a nice little chat. We get some time to catch up. We do this every day. And it's scheduled. It's roughly the same time. Yours doesn't have to be scheduled. The idea is that you are making that connection and actually speaking to somebody. For somebody like me who tends to be a little bit of a hermit, it's very important that I get human interaction. Uh, I used to have certain restaurants or certain places I would go to when I wanted human interaction without having to get too deep with it. Um, you know, whether it be my sandwich spot where I could go in and I could see my friends there and I could get a couple of hugs and we can make some jokes. And even if I'm in the worst mood possible for a couple of seconds, I can laugh and I can smile and I can feel good. And then I sit down and I have a nice lunch and then I can go back to being isolated. But it's that interaction. Uh, make an actual phone call to a loved one just to chat and catch up. There, there, there's no purpose behind it but going, hey, I was thinking about you. How you doing? Um, we as humans, we, we, we're social beings, right? Even when we don't feel like it, even if we're naturally introverted, socializing with our loved ones makes us feel better. It's good for us. Gives you a little dopamine rush, right? Um, you've heard it over and over again, um, you know, from everywhere you, everywhere you go, right? Spend your money on experiences, not things. Those are what are going to, to serve you best. Uh, uh, so, you know, whatever it might be, um, make sure that, that whatever you're going to buy can serve you, um, in an experience's capacity. So whether it's a vacation or whether it's something to improve, you know, whether it's a tent to go camping with your family, right? You guys are, you guys are using that tent to go have experiences. It's, it's, a, it's an investment into, into the experience, right? Um, save money for a new grill for parties, new DVD for family movie night, something that will encourage you to have people over and entertain. Plan a summer barbecue, invite your closest friends, kick back and relax, and don't forget to print out the pictures to remember the good times. Good thing to go on your walls, right? And at the last, uh, the, the last tip I'm going to give you before we start closing out the show today is to spend a few minutes each day connecting with something greater than yourself. Whether that's, uh, whether that's a spiritual thing, whether it's a creative thing, whether it's a community thing, uh, whatever your spiritual beliefs or non-beliefs may be, studies show that connecting to a high power is correlated with happiness. Just stepping back to realize that we're a part of an enormous universe, we can put some perspective on your annoyance with those, uh, with the, those are definitely not mine and they're absolutely repulsive socks under the coffee table. That's funny. I didn't read that line when I was doing this earlier. Uh, before bed, spend a few minutes contemplating something larger than yourself. Take a walk in nature, write in a journal, create a sacred space in your home. Or if sp spirituality is really not your thing, create a home spa. Light some candles, soak in a hot bath, delve into a good book, right? And so the idea there 
is to recognize in whatever means uh, are, are most effective for you is to spend a little bit of time at the end of your day maybe reflecting and contemplating on your place in the world and on your problems and on how how big are they in in the big picture you know one of the things my mom used to say when i was a kid and i was whining about uh, whining about dumb stuff she would say well is anybody going to care in 100 years is this going to matter 100 years from now and I kind of took that and I, and I reduced it a little bit for a lot of my counseling where, where you know, when I talk to, to people about some of their problems, I'll, I'll point out to them, I'll go, okay, let's look at the problem. How important is this problem going to be to you in a, in a year? How about in a month? How about next week? If this problem is not going to bother you uh, at the same level next week, then we're in really good shape because we only have a little bit of work to do. Now, if you think this problem is going to bother you at the same level next year, we, 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 you know, we got some serious work to do, right? But the idea is to, 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 to put things into perspective, right? So for a lot of people, I know it's God. It's religion. And it doesn't matter uh, uh, which version of God. You know, my perspective is that, is that every different religion is, is, is relatively based on the same things. They have the same common themes. Be good to one another. Live a good life. Be respectful. Um, you know, be thankful. Be grateful for what you have, for the gifts we've been given, and for the life you have. And try not to waste it. Try not to, to hurt other people, right? Um, the, the, the morals are the same. It's just be a good person. And so I, I have this understanding that that if you are praying and if you are are subscribing to a religion for the for the the attitude of I, I would like to better myself and I would like to serve my world and I would like to be a part of something bigger than me in a good way, more power to you. Get after it, right? I have what I call my pirate gods. I was raised a Catholic. Uh, I still still subscribe to many of those beliefs. Uh, but but I have my pirate gods, and and what that is for me is that's just my my little version of religion. Um, I, I am able to find uh, to find gratitude and to find something bigger than me in many different places, um, and and I have the attitude of listen if if it comforts you and if you're not hurting anybody else, it's good. So take some time. Maybe it's nature. Maybe it's science. Science is a religion. All of it. It's just how you, it's your perspective. It's how you how you make it work for you. Um, so be a part of something bigger than you, right? Community, religion. Science, nature, doesn't matter. Finish your day in that in that manner. It will give you a better perspective. It will give you better gratitude, and it will make your uh, close of your day a little bit easier to deal with. All right, guys, we've actually made it a lot farther than I anticipated. We're at forty six minutes. That's pretty freaking good. Um, I don't have a whole lot left for you tonight, and I'm kind of running out of steam. So I think I'm gonna go and uh, rest my uh, rest my achy back. I'm gonna get this show uploaded, and uh, and, and I'm probably gonna go fix up some dinner. So uh, for Toby the Wonder Mutt, for the Firelight Manor, for, uh, for uh, well, for everybody in the Beard and Bones Pirate crew, uh, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. I want to thank you for being a part of the Nonsense family. Uh, from the Nonsense Sound Studio, for Toby the Wonder Mutt, our fearless governor-to-be. My name is Captain Nick. This is Nonsense the Show. Thank you for tuning in. Captain out. All right. Facebook is done. Bink. Facebook is uploading. <sighs> we did it, guys. Made it through another week. How do you feel about it? You feel good? I feel good. I feel pretty good about it. I, I like it, you know? It's nice. It's nice when we can put together uh, put together a good show and you know, something that feels good, something that uh, you know, it's informative, it's interesting, it flows well. Nobody wants to hear the nonsensical ravings of a loudmouth malcontent. That just seems kind of rude.
Just a little bit rude. You foolish, stupid man. Really? Okay. We're going to play a wonderful game called Who is my daddy and what does he do? <laughs> yes? This is just me being bored right now. I'm playing with the, the soundboard I have on my uh, on my computer here. Just a bit outside. Just a bit outside. You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. I love it. I love it. Why is the rum always gone? All right, then. I think that's all I got. I think I'm going to close this thing out. What do you guys think? Should we do that? Okay, then. Thanks for listening.